What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? The guest on this week's episode of the podcast is doing some really great things in the investment and real estate agent space. Jason has an awesome story and vision for his real estate ventures. In the first of this two-part interview, we got a chance to chat about a variety of different, super informative topics for all skill levels. In this episode, we get into knowing where and how to find deals, the power of reputation and transparency, documenting the journey, and so much more. There is so much to digest in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 54 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting with Jason Regan. He is a phenomenal Lemonster-based agent focused heavily in the investment property space. What's going on, Jason? What's new, man? How are you? How's it going? I'm not sure I can match your intensity. I love that. That is great. Uh, Thank you so much, man. (laughs) There's a lot new. There's always a lot new because otherwise life gets boring. (laughs) You're right. Honestly, I don't know where it came from because it's uh, it's been a long day tonight. (laughs) You like like what you're doing. But whatever. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You can't. If you're just watching like the audio only version of it, you can't see Jason's amazing flamingo shirt. Um, you gotta check it out on YouTube for that. <laughs> yes, don't forget to subscribe to his channel. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> you're the best man. Help me All out. right, Let, let's jump right into things. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about you, you know, kind of about your backstory, like, you know, what got you into real estate. Um, kind of you know everything you got (laughs) yeah so um i was actually in warehouse management for a while and i was in memphis tennessee i'm originally from lemonster massachusetts and i'm back in lemonster massachusetts but so i moved to tennessee um to get a promotion down there help launch tgx online the way i was for it and then i moved home and then when i moved home i was working at a tax company um software as a service as a manager and they had some troubles so they downsized so when they downsized, I had just bought my house and realized, hey, I really like real estate. I'm always going to want to work for myself. So I called up my real estate agent and said, can we sit? Can we talk? And they gave me the wheel behind being a real estate agent. It's not like TV, right? It's not. No. Three houses, they pick one and they move in their butterfly factory, whatever the heck they're working on. Um, it's a lot harder than that. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So I've been doing real estate for about four years now. Um, I was a top producer for a couple of those years. I ran a team that did almost 50 one year, just over 50 the next year. Um, and from there, I actually, COVID hit, um, and we evaluated my business and how it work in the new environment and what COVID was supposed to be. And I broke down my business and went back by myself and then focused it more on the investing side of the business. So I'm probably gonna do, I'll probably, I'll probably help 20, 25 people this year when it comes to real estate. And that's all through mostly sphere of influence, friends, family. They're, my friends and family are great to me. Um, and then for, I'm going to do some flips too. So I met, I met a great guy online. His name's Matt Damon, not that Matt Damon. Um, he <laughs> was from Massachusetts. So. <laughs> and he 
you know, I did help did some projects with him, helped out. Now I'm kind of doing things on my own and with other partners. So I'm flipping, um, I got three or four houses right now that in process of flipping, one's just closed. Um, and then I bought some multifamilies too. So I'm focused on helping other investors invest and investing myself basically. Uh, I find that's my passion is my new, the new fun is I want to go down the Airbnb rabbit hole. I got, I would just came back from BFCon as you know, cause you were there too with that awesome blazer. Uh, made me feel bad in the t-shirt I had there. Um, I don't think I rocked that. I don't think I rocked any shirts that day. But yeah, I, I, we learned a lot of things down there. And that's one of the things I learned is, wow, this Airbnb thing, it's the short-term shop. Um, talked to them yesterday. They help you out kind of get started with it. Because that's the it's intimidating to get started with investing, real estate, new anything. So definitely. Yeah, that's, I guess that's me in a nutshell when it comes to work. Uh, mm-hmm. hopefully just continue more flips i focus so my investing is focused in worcester county and middlesex county i'll focus in some areas west of lemonster i have one in gardner one in agreement gardner one in athol one in ludenberg right now and i did we just finished one in lemonster that just sold so that's kind of the area i'm in mm-hmm. when it comes to flips i know not everybody's going that far out but i i know these markets because i lived here and i feel there's there's some good um there's good meat on the bone out here and there's lots of houses that need the help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's, that's really awesome, man. It's, it's really great. You know, that like you've lived in Lamester twice as well, <laughs> you know, and like, know that those markets like the back of your hand and like, you know, just have that like really deep connection, you know, to those and, and like really center out. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, probably less people being out that way too, you know, in terms of like competition and like, um, you know, going out like farther out into central mass and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's I'm trying to zig when people zag. So I'm, I'm, I'm niche marketing instead of going to the whole marketing because you have the investors I talk to most are, you know, inside the 495 belt because that's where the prices are really high. Whereas if you're a Boston-based investor or somebody out near Boston, that was an hour and a half from you basically, I believe. It's a long way where it's only a half an hour from me. So going to my projects isn't a huge deal in Athol. Not that I go, you don't go that often if you get a good contractor out there, but going that far for that little money kind of makes it hard yeah. when it comes to, so I'm trying to, I'm in the markets that aren't the hot markets. Yeah, yeah. But there's still things out there to find if you know how to find them. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, that really is a great thing, you know, to, to niche down like that. That was, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit, but that was, you know, something really big from BP con that, that I pulled from that as well. You know, it's like getting as small as you can to get as big as you can. It just, we could go, <laughs> we could just continue. We could talk for four hours on BP con, um, <laughs> yeah. because that, that was a lot of good, but yeah, what they said, one thing is going mile deep instead of a mile wide. So, you know, the area. So instead of, so I started looking at Middlesex County, we, I worked with Matt and he did things in Acton and stuff like that too, in Littleton. And then I realized, you know, this, this market's not saturated where I'm in right now with investors. Yeah. And I already know, like I, I can go into a Lemonster house and I have a general gut feeling about what's this is going to sell for because I've been in the market and, you know, I've done over 150 transactions as a real estate agent. So it's easier than going into a market I know nothing about where I don't have a gut feel. I'm yeah. still going to do my math, do my fair to market analysis because, you know, missing that ARB number can make or break you. So but it's nice to be able to, okay, this is probably worth this. And it's easier to analyze property. They can be like, um, nope, that won't work. Nope, that won't work. Oh, that might, might work just by a quick calculation. Yeah. 
that's phenomenal you know like just to be able to just have that gut feeling and like just go down the list and be like oh well you know <laughs> just yeah. yeah you know just have that <laughs> yes be like and that one might work that one's crazy because you see some really crazy ARVs sometimes coming from different areas and different people and you know as I'm a realtor so I've been part of this before before I knew the investing that well I didn't know how to price things for investors um so like I have a motel right now that is under agreement in Palmer that pricing didn't go well I priced at like 300 something I think it's under agreement for a lot less than that um because I didn't know what I don't know because it's commercial I don't do much for commercial you're right you know it's yeah. live and learn and <laughs> yes yeah. you, you sometimes you learn by falling down and getting back up I, I do prefer to learn by learning from other people instead but you run fast enough and you're going to fall over eventually just mad as we get back up right exactly that's huge I love that <laughs> so Jason what's kind of your your drive and your vision for the long term so I mean my drive is to be financially free yeah. um, which is you know that's buzzwords at this point I think financial freedom <laughs> um, but basically I, yeah woo, I want to make sure that um I want to get so I have a 10-year plan basically to make myself financially free which is for me, financially free is about $100,000 in passive income coming in in that 10 years. So I have to buy $10,000 worth of passive income a year for 10 years. Um, the plan keeps changing as yours probably does too every time you Definitely. learn something. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a few multis. Um, but now the plan is kind of, I'm not risk adverse, I guess, um, because you know I bought something in Cleveland, Ohio this year. That was my first long distance investing. I did my first flip by myself this year. Well, I'm in the middle of my first flip by myself this year and things like that. And now I'm going to try to get to the Airbnb space in, again, long distance investing markets. And, you know, the biggest thing is you got to find people you trust there. But I mean, the vision basically is to get LTRs and long-term rentals that will, are self-managed, not self-managed, wrong thing, are managed by property managers. So I don't really have to pay attention to it that mm -hmm. much. I do, my idea is to have them all long distance. Um, because I've dabbled in long distance, I'm learning long distance. I've read Andrew Paul and dang books because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, what I find with long distance and what I like most about long distance, besides the fact that Massachusetts has very tenant-friendly laws, which makes it hard to be a landlord, is the fact that I have no choice but to treat it like a business and have someone else manage it. If I'm got something here, like I got one in Fitchburg, a two-family right now, I can I'm self-managing it. I can continue to self-manage it because it you know makes me more money. I don't have to pay the 10% for property manager. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, I'm not treating like a business as much. I kind of know the people. I am doing my terms the way I'm supposed to, but you don't, it doesn't feel, you don't feel as disconnected and that's a business. You got to treat your tenants like people, but you got to make business decisions too. And if it's out of state, I have no choice, but seeing it as a business um, yeah. and making someone else manage it because I'm not going to manage something out of state when it comes to a long-term rental. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. Of course, it's finding the markets. That's my next other thing, but it's all the money from the flips that I'm doing and the Airbnbs I want to get into are all to make sure I have enough long-term rentals to get me that passive income, passive inch, nothing's ever completely passive, where things are kind of mostly on autopilot. And I can say, you know what? I want to go on a vacation this week. I'm going to go on a vacation this week and not worry about what's going to happen with my Airbnb. If I get one, what's going to happen with all the clients and stuff like that. And also for my real estate side in the head, that's going to be I'm help. I'm helping other people get into that, which is helping people make it so that was a little more automated too. Yeah. Let's <clears throat> sum it all up because I talk too much. Is basically 
live the life that you want on my terms that I want and not have to worry about the money behind it. Amen, man. That's awesome. How how has it been with the um like buying that property in Cleveland? Like and I guess kind of like finding that team like in that neck of the woods. Like, did you use like bigger pockets or like like fly down there and like meet people and stuff? Like how did that kind of so I've never been to Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> All right. I bought a property in a city I've never been to as a newer investor, which now that I say that, I'm not sure that was smart, but it worked out fine. Um, <laughs> I went, I went on bigger pockets yep. and I messaged a lot of agents on bigger pockets in that area, interviewed a few agents and decided the agent I wanted to go with. Um, and basically from there, he introduced me to a property manager. That's where like learning curve was there. I didn't interview the property managers as well as I interviewed the agents. So I actually fired my first property manager already, um, which is you know, a couple months of owning the property because there were some things going on that I didn't like, basically, we'll put it that way. And I have a new property manager that's like actually running it better now. Mm-hmm. So I get it's doing fine. We bought it with rents below market value, so we're upping the rents. And it also has some issues. So like one of the things I did is we upped their rents, I believe it was each 100 bucks per door because they're two or $300 before market value. The rents are around 650, 700, when market value is around 850, 950 right now mm-hmm. for two bedrooms in Cleveland. So, kind of made a deal because I want to be nice too. I said, okay, we're going to up your rents 100 now, and we're going to up your rents 100 in the spring. But here's the deal before winter comes, I will make sure each one of your garage bay doors are working and you have an automatic garage opener in there. So, it's, I want to give back a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be that landlord that's just like, I, I got to treat it like a business because it's got, it's got to cash flow the way it needs to. But I, I want to be the guy that's like, it's going to cash flow, but you know, I'm going to put the money in the property and it's going to work. Right. And if you yeah. need something, it's going to be there. I don't like the idea of just being like, yeah, I'm not up the rents in the max amount. I'm not going to pay for anything. I know that makes your um, performance look amazing, but, yeah. <laughs> but not, how sustainable is it? Like treat people, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're right. I don't know if Cleveland is good. I don't know if I'll stay there. One of the things in Cleveland, another learning curve, I guess. If you want to get learning curves from Cleveland, I did not know all the laws and regulations in the area. So in Cleveland, in order to evict in Cleveland city itself, you have to have your house. So it's lead certified. And they're doing random inspections in each zip code to get your house lead certified. Really? Yes. So That's I interesting. Care. So it's, it's, it's going to be money that I, I budgeted, probably didn't budget, but I'm going to be a little bit budget when it comes to fixing it. But I believe having something left certified in a city that has that is going to make it highly valuable. I yeah. bought it for 240. My hope is, my thought is, and my comps say I can get it up to 340 if I get it to market rents and get mm-hmm. it fixed up. So it's a semi burr, um, but it's not going to be like a six month burr. It's like it's a year. Whereas my Fitchburg property was vacant. I went in, did a bunch of cosmetic stuff. Um, probably spent about 15,000 on that one too. Put people in it, and that one's going to be a full bar because I bought it for 180. It's worth about 300 plus right now. That's crazy, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was my first multi and the first and the first thing I bought by myself. Um, it was crushed cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, if, if all of my stuff do this. That would be <laughs> I, I randomly I found it on Facebook. It was on Black Diamond. Oh, really? That's that's interesting. Yeah, guy put it up there. I messaged him, went there, got nervous, um, put an offer in. He accepted it. I think it was 10K below his asking. Um, went through the house and dropped some floors, painted a few other things, 
to make it look nice. And yeah, I, that's I don't cool, know. huh? That's crazy. I want to say it's because I'm super smart and found the deal and analyzed it and made it perfect, but it wasn't. I think it is. <laughs> it's the thing they all say, right? If you buy it right, that's yeah. what matters. And I bought it right. Found this. He's a nice guy um, named Doug. He has a bunch of places in Worcester right now. And he just, that's the one he didn't want in his portfolio. That's perfect. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy about the, um, like the lead paint. So like, yeah. do they have like a, now I'm not a hundred percent positive, like the program in mass. Cause like, I haven't actually been through it yet, but I know like, isn't there something like with like write-offs or something like that? Like it's could be like a hundred percent worth it to, to get like the units, like get the lead certs and then like get money back somehow or something. So some cities, I don't I know. <laughs> I haven't, don't call me the expert on this because I haven't actually verified this completely, but there are some cities that will give um, money back or a loan type of thing if yeah. so you be led. Fitchburg was doing something like that at one point. I don't remember the exact process. I don't remember how, um, mm -hmm. but that's my next step is now I got that message today. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. That changes my day. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> say, hey, are there any, does the city do anything to kind of help someone else going to do this? Um, because you know, it's lead certified, at least up here. I know when it's lead certified, then you don't have to worry about children and stuff like that in the house. Yeah. Because uh, anything before 1978 can have lead in it. It's very poisonous material. And there's an 11-page document realtors give to you every time you buy a house with lead in it that says lead's really, really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've got to figure out the angles on that one now and try to figure out what we can do. Yeah. Um, I'm, we'll see what the bill comes back at, but I'm not upset by it because I think it's just going to, I think people are going to, if you want to buy in Cleveland, you're going to want to buy a property like that because that law thing that I didn't know about, but people will start learning it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Was it like a much older building, like a, like a 1900 or. Yeah. They're building, oh, okay. they're built, the multis tend to be older. It's, I think it's a 1900 or 1912 or something like that. The building was nice. Kind of, I don't know off my head, but they're Cleveland's climate. Oh, Cleveland, I can't talk. Cleveland's climate is much like our climate um, and their buildings are, older like some of the buildings like in my area i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know how old you're building down i think you have fairly old buildings there too but pretty much the same like 1900s ish like yeah. stuff like that yeah i put a bit on a house made in like 1875 in lancaster the other day <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's funny too my wife gave me crap about it because she's like you said you're not going to buy a house as older than 1940 because horsehair plaster um knob and tube wiring all the other fun stuff I'm like eh. Yeah. Change. Only offer it. <laughs> I guess it's like the easy mode is 1940 plus, right? But you learn how to deal with things. Like my one in Gardner has foundation issues that I'm got on the contract right now. And the support beam in the middle of like this, instead of like this, like it's supposed to be. Yeah. But so I, I know a foundation guy out there and brought him in. He said, Yeah, I can fix that. It's gonna cost you 10 grand. So I worked out in my numbers and I, my contractor can fix this to this for me. So it's all about finding the people that can do it, working in it and making sure you're working to your numbers, right? Um, that's why you have contingencies. Like that one has a $14,000 contingency attached to it because I didn't know what I'd find in there. But typically my contingencies on the houses I do now, I buy, most of the houses I buy are $200,000 or less. Mm -hmm. They're gonna sell anywhere from, it's like, they're gonna sell on this one in Gardner. Um, is I'm under agreement for actually I can't tell you I haven't closed yet. Let's go to my Apple one. Bottom yeah. is sixty five thousand um, dollars, and it's probably going to sell for two thirty two fifty. 
and right. then instead of offering two fifteen, it sold for four hundred. So I'm buying anywhere. I'm buying under two hundred and selling for like four hundred. So I like first time home buyer houses um, because I figure that that's the that's the biggest and hungriest market right now. I could buy, I could flip a million dollar house that has five bedrooms, three baths, um, and it will sell great, but it might sit for a little bit. And another thing is the swings are different. So if I'm selling a house for two thirty. Maybe I'll get 220 or maybe I'll get 250. That's not a huge swing. If I'm selling a house for a million dollars, I might get 900,000 at 1.1. That's yeah. a big, that's a, much that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It makes me a little more nervous when I'm doing stuff like that. I got friends that do it. I got friends that sell in Denver. I got friends that sell in Acton and stuff. And it, it works. Um, and the profits can be bigger, but the losses can be bigger too if you don't do things right. Yeah. It's really interesting though. I, I never really thought about something like that. Like, just yeah just like the swings in general you know i mean like just having that range of like yeah like you know 10 15 grand each way like this is kind of what we're looking at but like 100 to 200,000 potentially like yeah that's a little more to digest <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah i guess because so say i'm going to make $50,000 on a project based on my estimate yeah and i'm off by 15 grand okay cool i made 35 ain't going to kill me not, I mean, it's not happy, but I didn't lose money. And if it goes the other way, I made 65. Say I'm gonna make $70,000 on a larger project. We'll say $100,000 on a larger project because you need more equity, you need 10% ROI is what I shoot for. But so I, if I miss by 100,000, I'm at zero. Yeah. But if I, I 100,000 over my 200,000, so it's bigger swings, but I mean, the 200 is amazing. The zero scares me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't want to do six months worth of work and headaches with contractors and everything else um, to earn nothing or a little to nothing. I mean, yeah, those HGTV shows that all of us hate, the one thing they do right is every project I come across, no matter how much due diligence I do on it, something comes up that I didn't know about. My phone rings now, my contract, I'm like, how much do I owe you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Just text me next time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, that was on, um, I got, got one on Banner Road that had a lot of raw in it. And one of the learning curves with that one was basically add a lot more contingency when there's a lot of behind the wall rot that you can't see or get behind that wall. And most people don't like you destroying their house before yeah. you buy it. So yeah, we had the roof was a lot more rotted so that had to be replaced. I think there was another two, $3,000 in there. And then the roof over the garage, the back, the roof was rotted. It was actually leaking the roof when I went in the house. But it, back over the garage, the back corner, completely rotted through. We had to knock it off and put a new one up. <laughs> so, you know, I think that in the end, that was like six thousand dollars. I didn't account for. Yeah. But I had I have a contingency of um, ten thousand dollars in that one, I believe. So I'm still I'm still in budget when it comes to that one. That's why we always I always put contingencies on things. But I think I learn every time I do one of them. And that's that's a great thing, right? I mean, like just you know a little bit of. Um like something new that you didn't know like with each project that you do and like you know yeah that's something that you're gonna be able to take into the next project and be like oh well you know last time you know like we learned this and like watch out for this and you know just kind of have like a little bit of a a little bit more of an insight you know for some of the the finer details yeah i'm i'm very big on after action what did that, what happened in this project that i can take the next project so yeah. all project not even done yet um, I didn't bring a plumber in beforehand, budgeted plumbing, uh, found out the whole house of plumbing are wrong, plumbed wrong. So I think my budget for plumber is eight and I'm paying 13. Mm -hmm. So, you know, missed on that one. So 
I need to get in there with a plumber. I haven't done this yet. Um, and just walk the property and say, okay, what do you see and what's different? So that way I can get it in my mind and my eyes. I'm never going to be a plumber. I'm never going to be perfect. But if I can see, oh, there's no stack coming out the roof, that's a problem. Um, that's going to be a huge help to me. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Done. So I'll have more learning curves probably in that one. Yeah. Have you, I, oh, you've sorry. seen, <laughs> oh, sorry. I talk, uh, you see my online post when it comes to Facebook, right? Yeah. 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 So the outdoor ones, we knocked the one we knocked the back off of. And that's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is rotted. What? I'm like, what do we do? It's like, I can repair it for this much or I can take it off for that much. Kill it. Stand it. Yep. <laughs> we get a new one. We just yeah. tear off a piece of the house and fix it. So yeah, he tore off a piece of the house and fixed it. It's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, man. Honestly, like I love going to um like inspections like whether you know they're for like a property i have under contract or like a client or something or you know like a friend like if they're doing something and like just just like you know learning as much as i can from the inspector you know like i've picked up like so much stuff you know just from like walking around with them and like you know that stuff like you said you know like you're not gonna like be an inspector from doing that you know but you're gonna have a much bigger insight of like hey you know like this is one of the beams that he stuck a flathead through and like you know this is why and like you know it was kind of like this colorish and like just kind of have a lot more of an awareness you know to be able to to pick off some of those things like hey you know this potentially could be a problem i don't know yet but that's huge i mean so i've been through a lot of inspections and one of the things i used to say to my clients when i did buyers more and i don't really do them anymore unless you're a good friend of mine is basically I want the inspection to happen and everything he says, you're like, oh, Jason said that. Jason talked about that. Jason saw that. And that's yeah. just because I did what you're talking about doing right now is I follow the inspector around and listen to him and talk to him and ask questions and stuff like that. And that's going to help you a ton of your real estate career because, I mean, you're investing because you know, we don't, in your multis, you get inspected, but when we're doing flips, we normally don't do inspections. Um, I don't, at least. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that for someone. I can't suggest that, but <laughs> you can find a lot of things out if you know what to look for. Yeah. With, inspection, with that rather than paying the six and with inspection the six and with inspection is well worth it i just know a lot in the modern day environment when right now if i put in a offer on a flip house with an inspection they're just going to kick it up no. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what you're doing but yeah i know in other markets and other books i read they talk about inspections on your flips to find out everything going on one of the things you can do i guess is you can do an inspection on the property but it's not contingent on an inspection so you know what's going on especially if you know her. Um, and then you can be like, oh man, this is messed up. I'm going to leave. Yeah. They, they're going to get your escrow money. But if your escrow money is only 500 bucks, you just have a thousand dollar learning experience. Nobody wants to lose money. But I mean, that's, I mean, that's what the investors do anyways. They try to keep the first money down as low as possible. So if they, if they are going to run away, then they're going to run away before that and just lose that. A thousand or whatever it is. Yeah. If I find something big, I'll run away um, because I can't lose money. But if my word means something, so if I get something under agreement and it's just a thousand dollars here or there, um, then I'm just going to keep that the price it's at. I'm not going to try to nickel and dime the person down because word and reputation means more. If I work 100%. with you once and you sell me something uh, that I'm going to flip and I just was a jerk the whole time. And every time I, I called you, I want a thousand dollars off of this, that, or the other thing. And I got this great deal. Oh, you're gonna bring me a deal again? No. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's really interesting too, man. And like, like just like I'm just kind of starting to see it now is like just 
like how small like the community really is but well like how big it is but how small it is at the same time like how everybody's literally just like linked together it seems like and like yeah like you said you know like how reputation plays a big part in like everything you know so like if yeah exactly you know like you were doing something like that um you know like that wholesaler or agent or you know whoever it was you know might tell like a couple of their friends and like you might be like friends on facebook and you know it just like i feel like word's gonna spread either way you know if you're doing like a, a really good job and like you know being a great person and like helping out a lot of people as well as you know on the flip side of like hey you know this guy was kind of a jerk like this is what he did to me like you know yeah it's uh it's interesting yeah they're, they're like don't trust his offer it's gonna come down to 10 grand by the end uh, yeah. the bigger pockets conference which second time we've referenced this we'll see how many times <laughs> we can get sponsor <laughs> one of the ones talked about retrading which i didn't know what that meant before this um retrading of course is basically renegotiating a deal or and they said at the, the level uh sorry commercial level that they will ask actually ask you before they accept an offer how many deals you've retraded over the last year so it's kind of like they're privy to it it might get down to the our world too where it's they ask you, okay, cool. How many deals you backed out of the last year? How many deals have you changed the price point on in the middle of it? Oh, you know, I did seven deals last year. I changed the price point seven times. Well, <laughs> I, may, I may start asking those questions because those are great questions to ask. And yeah, I, I want a reputation that says, you know, my word means something. But also, like I said, if I still can't go through a deal, if I find $20,000 worth of work that I didn't know about, I can't just eat that $20,000. So exactly. I say sorry. Typically what I do when I get give an offer to a person on a flip property is I'm actually going to open up my books and show you exactly how I analyzed it. I'll show you, this is the ARV that I had. This is my holding cost. This is what's going to cost to resell it. This is what's cost to finance it because I use hard money. Um, this is what I'm looking for, for a profit. Do all that. This is what I can offer you. I don't go with the lowest ball offer I can. Yeah. It's basically that way. So that way, no one's getting mad at me so far for doing that. They just like, okay, I understand that. You know, I can't sell it for that or, or cool. And we go along in a way. And I know it's, I'm probably leaving money on the table doing that by not just lowballing, but that shows you that I am actually, I'm showing you that this is what I'm earning. I'm not trying to get yeah. more out of it. I want, I want you to get happy. I want me to leave happy. Exactly. I think that's really cool, man. Like, just, like, being that transparent and, like, that's interesting, like, that that nobody's, like, has anybody ever gotten, like, at least a little, like, aggravated at all? Like, they just kind of, like, understood, like, hey, you know, this is the angle that I'm coming from, you know, as well as having that, like, you know, make both sides work kind of thing, like a win-win, you know? Like, yeah, I, don't think, I think it's cool. I probably had a few people that were unhappy with me um, because sometimes <laughs> they just see the end number. That's yeah. why I don't try to say the end number until the end. Like this is what the ARV and try to, it's just like in real estate when you're trying to get someone to sign a um, listing agreement with you, you have to be like, get them on board. Like this is what the ARV is or the CMA is going to be for this one. Do you agree on that based on this, this, and this? Yes, I agree on that. Cool. So this is all the things I need to fix in your house. Is this the total cost? Does that look about right? Now, they might know, they might not know. Cause I mean, I've, I've come across contractors that want to sell projects too. And then so on and so forth typically it's yes or no I sometimes it's no i think it's worth more and say okay that's awesome cool you may find someone to do that it's just this is the number of i stick there yeah um you know you may move a little bit here and there to get a deal done but not a ton so yeah 
I don't know. I, I don't know how I fell into that approach to doing things, but it's just, if I give you, say you're selling your house for, well, there's a house on the market right now. I was looking at it's on the market for like 199,000. If I want a bird, I'd have to offer 120. If I give you that offer without any reason behind it, you're like, dude, stop lowballing and go away. You're going to be offended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. You're not coming on my podcast. Just go away. <laughs> but if I tell you why, then it's different. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. I still can't do it. But I respect where you're at with it. Yeah. No, I, I honestly, I think that's really cool, man. I do. You know, um, like just to have that transparency and like, just to show them that like, Hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And like, this is what my, my business model is. Well, you know, my spread or, or whatever, you know, criteria and stuff is like, can you do this or, you know, and just being like super transparent, you know? So like you said, you know, like, you don't look like that guy that's like just randomly throwing in a wicked low ball offer and like people are getting upset, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's different. It's a lot different than that. Yeah. I mean, some people listen, some people don't, but I mean, the Hawaiian shirt kind of keep them off guard. So they're like, oh, <laughs> that'd be cool. Because I don't show up in like a business suit. So yeah, it's funny. I started my real estate career and I was like in a suit a lot of times. And my old broke used to make fun of me. Like, oh, it's Jason here with a suit again. And then I started wearing button downs. And then from there, I started wearing polos. And now I got my Hawaiian shirts. And All I right. still do polos, I do Hawaiian shirts. Sometimes you'll find me in t-shirts. Um, it's just different. I won't ever wear t-shirts when I'm working real estate with a flank. So that's not yeah. cool. But I was in a t-shirt before this actually, but because I was in, I gutted house with water damage and fire damage where foundation needs to be fixed. So, you know, I don't need to be nice looking in there. I was covered in dust balls and by the time it came out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's funny how we change. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so Jason, what, do you consider to be the biggest variable and expanding your clientele or it could be like um you know expanding like flips and stuff that you're doing or you know whatever kind of the focus biggest is. variable the roadblock or what are we what are we talking um i guess like Sorry. like the biggest um the biggest thing to like keep getting more of what you're looking for i guess um uh, knowledge and action I guess is the biggest thing. So you don't know what you don't know and you can't do it if you don't know it. Yeah. Um, basically. So like say, I want to do Airbnbs, right? That's my new like, thing I want to get into. So without going to find the knowledge for the Airbnbs and the people behind that knowledge that can help me out, then I'm not going to be able to do it. If I find all that knowledge about I'm an analysis paralysis, then I'm still not going to do it. So you got to take the knowledge and then the action, the same thing with, um, real estate side of things. If you don't understand how the real estate works, how to do the contracts, how the transaction works, then you're not you're gonna be scared and you're not gonna be out there and doing it or you're not gonna be able to do it appropriately. And then if you're not, if you're afraid to make phone calls, which is the number one thing in my mind that kills realtors right off the bat is you don't wanna put in the work making that phone call because it's hard, um, then you're not gonna last. So I think the biggest things, the biggest variables for success is the knowledge behind it. Like, you're, you're, you do this a lot too, you're a sponge. You're always looking for knowledge, you're always trying to figure things out and then taking action on those knowledge because some people take that first step and they can't get to that second step. Yeah. I may take the second step too early sometimes, who knows, but <laughs> uh, I'm rapid. One of the tests told me, which means I like to move fast and be like a ping pong ball and different things all the time. Yeah. My um, 
somebody on my team just sent me a gif of a squirrel just spinning around um, <laughs> when I was getting too out of control. So Jason stopped being like this. And then a, I have a spinning squirrel. It's easier said than done, man. It's like you get a million things going on and you're like, you know, just bouncing around like there's no tomorrow, like trying to manage everything. And like, it's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. And I'm still, I'm, every so often the business runs me instead of me running the business. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, the hard part is I have to reset. Like I got a VA on board right now and she's helping me and really systemize my business. I totally agree with you, man. And like, I, I can't wait to kind of see, you know, hopefully like the VA is able to, you know, take some of that stress off your back a little bit to be able to, you know, kind of focus on some of those bigger picture things. And like, it's, yeah. <laughs> I got a leverage. I mean, yeah. I read Who Know How, mm-hmm. which is a great book. And I, I, I got a great uh, videographer that does videos on photo for real estate. That's going to help me with some of my ideas and implementing them for getting more videos on to my, about my flips and pictures and uh, transitions and things like that. So he's, he's working on one now for me, the pilot. He's going to work on another one on Baker, which is the new one I have under agreement, but it's, I can't do that stuff. I also want to do podcasting and stuff like that. I know this great guy that came down. It's, it was him. He did it. Um, came down to my office and helped me. And the sad part is I forgot most of it. So when I get back to it, around it's okay. Here, I'll be to- there, man. <laughs> Let me know. Because <laughs> last time I lied and didn't feed you. <laughs> but yeah, I want that's something I want to get into. Oh, that's so funny, man. It's okay. Yeah. No, let me know when um when, you know when you want to do your thing again. I'm more than happy to to shoot down there and um and help you out, my man. Sweet. I really appreciate it. That'll be probably right before the new year because right now it's VA, SEO, um, and Airbnb and my three like focuses for right now to try to get through. I know it's yeah. probably too many focuses, but like I said, squirrel. The squirrel. I love yeah. it. So and then, oh, then, me, then I'll work on the social media stuff to try to get videos out there. And we talked about ideas offline about what I might do for videos and things like that. I'm not going to yeah. probably do your thing because that's your thing. <laughs> no, I'll, it's... I'll just rant. <laughs> I love it, man. I love to hear it. It's real stuff. It's the real nitty gritty. None of that HDTV baloney. <laughs> yeah. love, that's one of the things I want to get across if I do do talks and stuff like that. Is this is what's really happening. This is how, what I'm running into. Like, I'm a newer investor. I'm not uh, like the people in bigger pockets that have all gone through the stage already and now are syndicating to all that fun stuff. We're in, I'm starting, I started flips last, mid last year. So I'm doing learning flips, yeah. learning how to do things, long distance investing and all those type of things. So I, I think it's something like, I wish I would have listened to someone talk about, hey, this is what happened this week. Guess what? My back wall almost fell off. So got to fix that. <laughs> Yeah. And this is why and what happened, you know, the, the Banner Street thing we talked no, about. I totally agree with you, man. Honestly, like I um I've been trying to get into like documenting the process a lot more because like I couldn't agree with you enough about that. Like I feel like there's there's not enough of that out in the media of like the journey of people going from like zero to you know going through like all the dirt and everything and then like you know getting their first property their first flip their first airbnb whatever you know going through the problems with that getting it stabilized you know and then moving on to the next one and like just recording the journey you know so like people can watch that whole thing and be like all right you know like you know some of these guys like that's great like they're syndicating like these huge deals like that's like some like next level stuff but 
like I'm trying to buy my first house. You know, so like how do you go from that to like 200 units? <laughs> you know, like I feel like there's not enough of it out there. I don't, I don't think that. You, you're buying your first house hack on house. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's better. Uh, I wish I knew about house hacking before, but yeah, that's, I don't want to do a video when I'm standing in front of a Lamborghini that I rented to show. I, have yeah. to, um, exactly. I actually had to check my last closing um, that shows how much was made on that closing that I might do something on there because it's what some things, some things annoy me within the investing world. And one of them is the people that are like, I made $123,000 on this flip. Yeah. What they don't tell you is they owe fifty thousand dollars to the private money person that put money in. They're splitting it with another investor, and twenty of that is money out of their pocket that they're getting back because they use that to fix the house. Yeah, that's the transparency I like to see. And some people do, some people don't. It's mostly the gurus, right, that post that stuff of how much they earned on it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of good people that are real people, but yeah, that's things I want to walk through that because to see people, so people aren't just like cool, like those that. That, I mean, that's one of my rants and other ones wholesaling courses wholesaling yeah <laughs> we could go on for hours man i swear <laughs> yeah i met these guys two years ago with a great realtor investor in the office here um and they were like yeah we just took a wholesaling course and we quit our jobs it's just like oh, oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah you know i don't want i don't wholesale i don't want to wholesale because that's a lot that's hard work yeah basically you have to send out lots of mailers a pound of phones and stuff like that and try to get people you have to, you have to be a great negotiator you have to be willing, willing to accept no as an answer i'd rather the wholesalers come to me and because they've already done the hard work and i'll make I'll, exactly. i will gladly pay them for their hard work yeah um because yeah but some of the courses make it sound so easy it's not easy the people that are doing wholesaling well put in a lot of work um and a lot of time yeah. so i respect the people that do the wholesaling well and I'll let, I'll let them keep doing it and hopefully keep feeding me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, man. And like, it, I feel like that's a really great conversation about like kind of which role like you want to choose in your business and like, you know, what fits your vision and stuff. And like, yeah, you know, like if you're looking for a lot of deals, you know, to like build up everything. Awesome. But then I feel like that kind of splits. Like, do you want to be the one who's actually sending out the mailers and making the calls? Or the one who's networking with the people who are already doing that and like building up that relationship and being like, hey, you know, I'm more than happy to pay you, you know, in exchange for like what I'm looking for, you know, and like, I just I think that's really interesting, you know, like, I totally agree with you, man, with like the mailers and stuff that that's like hard stuff. (laughs) Like, that takes a lot of time. That's, that's the time I got yelled at when I sent out mailers. Um, Well, I got told people told me I was trying to steal their house and stuff like that. It's because you can't get your point across. No, can you get your personality across the mailers work? Don't say, don't take that out of this argument wrong, but you are going to get people that misread the mailer as you're trying to, because of the reputation of a sleazy real estate agent, which is not the normal real estate agent right now. The person that's just trying Mm -hmm. to do something to mess with them where my thought process and most thought process of the investors I know is basically I'm here to help you. If you need out of your house and you need a cash offer, I will give you the best catch offer I can. And if yep. it works for both of us, cool. If not, I stay in your house. It's not, I want you to be happy. Um, there's enough deals to go around out there that you don't have to do sketchy things like that. And I would, my parents raised me not to do sketchy things at all. So yeah, that's that. But wholesale aside, I mean, I don't care how much you earn as a wholesale if I, if I make money. So yeah. if you bring me a deal and you earn 100 grand, but I'm making 50 and 50 is fine for me, fine with cool. me. 
Yeah. I got the deal. You made your money. I made my money. I'm happy. I have too much of too many. And I've been stuck on this before. Sometimes we get really stuck on what the other people made or what the other people pay for the property. So like uh, the property and gardener that I'm buying, they can't tell you the price of. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody messaged me like, hey, this thing was bought two years ago for 30000 I'm buying it for way over 30000 <laughs> um, if If I get stuck on that, then it's really not worth it. Also 30000 two years ago, he has holding costs he put on a roof um, and he probably has hard money costs. All his money was tied up in that project. But yeah, those are the things I don't get tied up in. It's basically, yeah. what am I earning? It doesn't meet my number criteria that I set forth. And if it does, I don't care, man. You can bring me a deal on 200 grand. I don't care. Yeah. Um, in fact, you'll probably bring more deals if you do that. <laughs> but yeah. I, bring Jason deals. <laughs> yeah. You bring me a deal on 200,000, you'll buy your first uh, house act easy. <laughs> He's like, I have 200 grand down payment. Well, minus taxes. So I have 100 grand down payment. Which, what's, what's a whole you go for in Lowell these days? A three-family in Lowell? Yeah, what's a three-family in Lowell going to go for? Um, I had one that I under that I had under contract for 612. So it's probably like 600 and above-ish, something like that. It's that was for a nine-bedroom. <laughs> uh, it's, it's 350. That's a good market for Yeah. Investment. It's a little tough, like for trying to get your first house act though. Like I, I've looked all around and like, I'm still like kind of looking all around, but not really. So like I started looking in Worcester cause I'm actually extremely fascinated with the city of Worcester. Like just with like everything that they have going on and like the path of progress and like the colleges everywhere. And like, there's just a lot going on. I, I like the city a lot. Yeah. Um, but my only caveat for me is like, it's an hour away from Tuxbury, like on a good day. So I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the big question is yeah. how long you get your day job in Tuxbury? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whisper's hard though. The, the market has come up so much. And as soon as the Woosnox was announced, they're going to go in there. Everybody's multifamily prices went through the roof. So yeah. I, I don't, I hide from Worcester because it, I just don't, it's too much to play in, too much competition for me. Yeah. But if you can get something in Worcester, heck yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and cash flow is going to, seems to be pretty good over there too. I don't know cap rates or anything over there. I don't, yeah, I'm not so much, <laughs> I got spreadsheets that show me, but I yep. can't be like cap rate is this and now cap rate here and this is cap rate there. That, you ask me cap rates, I'm like, okay, let me just check it out. Okay. I got my cap, the cap rate in there is usually this. I mean, my area I can kind of tell, but. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't play in Worcester right now. I like. I like the sub. I like to find out where you have the big deal investors are, like you, and then find areas around it that you don't want to be in and be close to you. Yeah. <laughs> satellite. I'm a satellite of the the big investors. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.